Coming up next, please join us for Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 137. Avi Ben Mordechai here. Shalom. You're tuned in to Real Israel Talk Radio. This is podcast episode 137. It's a historical summary that concerns the biblical priestly line of Aaron through the house of Tzadok. And this episode is part 24 in my series of studies. In the previous program, I focused our attention on four historical essentials that concern the beliefs and practices of the house of Tzadok. Let these serve as a foundation for what happened later on in Jewish history when the authority of the priests of the house of Tzadok was seized upon. Summarizing from the previous podcast that I did on this subject, I would like to now address just a little bit of a review and add a few more additional notes to help clarify some points before we move on to the next part of this history. First, according to Dead Sea Scrolls Professor Rachel Elior of Hebrew University, whose specialty is in the Dead Sea Scrolls, she asserts plainly that there is no evidence from within the manuscripts of the Dead Sea Scrolls to think that the religious community known as the Essenes is one and the same with what is called the Qumran community that inhabited the site in the decades that came before Yeshua. Over the passing generations, it is an assumption that the community referred to as the Essenes was functioning in the days of the Maccabees, and yes, even later on, through one by the name of Shimon, the head of the Hasmonean family dynasty, called the Hashmonaim. Yet, the only evidence that we have seems to refer to a community called the Essenes as living much later on based on three late first-century sources. First, the writings of the Jewish historian Josephus. Second, the works of the Roman author and philosopher Gaius Plinius Secundus, or simply called Pliny the Elder. And third, the teachings of the Greek Jewish philosopher Philo-Judaeus of Alexandria, Egypt. So therefore, the evidence strongly suggests that a community called the Essenes lived sometime in the first century after the birth of Yeshua, but not before him. So until there is any more conclusive evidence to suggest that a group called the Essenes did in fact live before Yeshua, that remains to be seen based on any future discoveries of more scrolls 
from the Dead Sea region. Until that happens, my suggestion is we just stick with what the evidence suggests, and that is that the Essenes, as we understand the concept, is a mid to late first century religious group. The second point that we addressed on the last podcast, the priests of the House of Tzedok, known from the Dead Sea Manuscripts, in the rule of the community, the rule of the congregation, and the scroll of benedictions, had an established teaching tradition that they were earthly counterparts to heaven's sacred world of angels. The priests of the house of Tzedok believed that they were Yah's elect and chosen ones to officiate in union with Yah's angels of heaven, which is why the house of Tzedok called themselves in Hebrew the Yachad and the sons of light. They saw themselves as authorities with the eternal light of the world, men who labored on earth in unification with the messengers and angels of heaven, those that are dispatched from the throne of Yudevave. And we do know that Yeshua was well-versed in all of this understanding, proven by some of the things that he said, such as John 1.51. And this was Yeshua speaking to Nathanael or Nathaniel. Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you will see heaven opened and the angels of Elohim ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Also, in John 12, 35 through 36, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. So this idea about the sons of light is connected to the Qumran house of the Yachad, or what is called the house of Tzedok. Now, likewise, New Covenant writer and rabbinic oral law scholar Shaul, or Paul, had a similar understanding of the one true messianic light revealed through the sons of the house of Tzedok, as he came to be an ally and a supporter of their authority on earth, saying in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 5. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, 
nor of the darkness. So here we see Paul using the very similar terminology concerning the sons of light, just like Yeshua used the terminology in John 12, 35 through 36. Again, the sons of light is an idea that comes straight out of the lingo of the Yechad, or the house of the community of Sadok. These very same viewpoints about prophecy, heaven's angels, and the messianic sons of light are what led Shaul or Paul to put up a fight against the believers in Yeshua and add his consent to the execution of a Zadokite supporter by the name of Stephen. After that man boldly spoke to his murderers in the late Second Temple period, saying to them in Acts 7, 52-53, Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of this Sadok, or, if you will, this just one, or this righteous one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not safeguarded it. So here we have this idea of angels, which is strongly linked to the community of the Yechad. Now, this third point I want to make from the last program, the house of Sadok priests, their allies, and their supporters, they prophetically declared in advance to prepare for the arrival of the coming one, referred to in English as the teacher of righteousness or in Hebrew, Morei HaTzedek. Now, if we had to turn this into some kind of a moniker or a nickname, we could say the instructor Tzadok as referring to a title of teaching authority descending from the kingdom of heaven. If we do such a thing, it certainly explains why Yeshua said, in Matthew 23:10 do not be called teachers for one is your teacher or if you wish one is your more or your instructor the messiah in the damascus document of the dead sea scrolls specifically cda referring to the covenant of damascus a and columns 12 and 14. The chosen messianic teacher is called by the Hebrew term maskil, which refers to the idea of an instructor who is one and the same as the coming King Messiah Tzaddik, or the anointed King Messiah and just one of Israel. 
You see, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it is he who stands and arises in the end of the days. Based on the Hebrew root, Sadi Dalet Kuf. This gives us the word that we call righteous. However, it comes across more like an alias for the one who was called Sarhapanim, the Prince of the Face. Again, which I think is why one Zadokite supporter with the name of Stephen speaks of the resurrected Yeshua while saying to the religious authorities of his day in Acts chapter 7, verse 52, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, which is easily understood to mean the tzaddik, which is from the same root as tzaddok. From this, it appears that the tzaddik, who is mentioned in Acts 7.52, is one and the same as the person from Genesis 14.18, who showed himself to Avram as Melchizedek. In Hebrew, this is a compound of two words, Melki and Tzedek, which could be translated as a possessive pronoun, my King Tzedok, or perhaps as an objective pronoun, in which case we would say, I am King Tzedok. Now, frankly, I prefer the objective pronoun sense of the term, referring to him as, I am King Tzedok. In other words, I am King Tzedok and the term Melchizedek are one and the same. That is, he who is identified as heaven's head priest unto El Elyon, the Most High. Among those who believed this report of this mystery personality, as some scholars like to say, this terminology, I am King Tzedok, it was a kind of prophetic signature to identify his covenant followers as the sons of Tzedok. Or, put another way, the sons of Tzedok are those who follow and believe in Melchizedek, the I am King Tzedok character. Recall, Yochanan ben Zechariah, or as we understand him to be, John the Immerser or John the Baptist, he looks to be like the Zadokite son of his father, Zechariah, who was, in fact, a Zadokite priest based on his family line going back to Avia, as it's written about in Luke 1.5 and also in 1 Chronicles 24, 3-10. Now, Yochanan, 
sent messengers to Yeshua to confirm if he had come to fulfill the divine Zadokite promise. Here it is in Luke 7.20. When the men had come to him, they said, John the Immerser has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, this appears very strongly to suggest a derivation from Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8. Here, O Yehoshua, the high priest, that would mean the high priest of Sadok, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. This branch appears to be Melchizedek, the one nicknamed I am King Tzedek, Melchizedek, King of Heaven's celestial city called Shalem. And this is revealed in Genesis 14, verses 18 through 19. Then Melchizedek, king of Shalem, brought out bread and wine. He is the Kohen, or the priest, toward El Elyon. And he, referring to Melchizedek, blessed him, referring to Avram, and said, Blessed be Avram toward or to El Elyon, possessor of heaven and earth. Hear the words of the dialogue between Yeshua and Pilate in this regard. Here is the reading from John 18, 36 through 37. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Judeans. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Yeshua answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who was of the truth hears my voice. Pilate responds to this and says, What is truth? Because Avram received or accepted or even believed in this one, the I am King Tzedok, mystery personality of Genesis 14, verse 18. Therefore he, Avram, was called a son of Tzedok, which I think is precisely how it is expressed in the New Covenant text of Yaakov or James 2.23, among many other places. So let's look at it here in Yaakov or James 2.23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Avraham believed, or faithed, 
Elohim. And to him, referring to Avram, he was accounted toward Hatzadok. That is, he was accounted toward the righteous one, Hatzadok. And he was called the friend or companion of Elohim. The connection appears to be linked to the fourth day luminary, the sun. Not sun, S-O-N, but sun as in S-U-N, in Genesis 1.16, which was given as a prophetic word and a metaphor from the prophet Malachi, chapter 4, verse 2, which appears in the Hebrew text of chapter 3, verse 19. Here's the English of Malachi 4.2. But to you who fear my name, the son of Tzadok, or the son of righteousness, shall arise with healing in his wings. Now, before we go any further and dive deeper into some of the history of this house of Tzadok that we are referring to, we must know that these Kohanim, or priests, had a unique calling as prophets endowed with divine authority to receive revelational wisdom from heaven. The house of Tzadok often wrote their teachings using the word nigla in Hebrew. This means revealed wisdom. The house of Tzadok priests relied heavily on this kind of received ongoing revelation given to them through their gift of prophecy and inspiration as coming from the Spirit of the Holy One, or if it helps you, the Holy Spirit. Contrary to rabbinic tradition, the priests of the house of Tzadok did not believe in a closed canon of Hebrew scripture, as did the later party of the Pharisees, referred to as the Hasidim, or Hasidim, in the book of the Maccabees, which I will come to shortly. For the sons of the house of Tzadok, divine revelation is reflected in their writings as inspiration through and from the Spirit of Jehovah, or the Spirit of Yah. And thus, what they received, at least what they thought they received, was the ongoing word of prophecy. Conversely, the Pharisees and the scribes of the Second Temple period believed that all of the transmitted texts of Hebrew Scripture, all of it was firmly closed to any future prophetic inspiration and revelation. Now, the basis for this theology was rooted in the Hebrew word musar, that of acquiring wisdom and understanding from human logic and reason. 
which is how they governed the nation based on the Hebrew term lo bashamayim he, translated, it is not in heaven, found in Deuteronomy 30, verse 12. And I believe this is what they were driving at, as it's recorded in John 7, 14 through 15. And the Judeans marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Yeshua answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. Let's talk more about all of this in just a moment. I'm Avi Ben Mordechai, and this is Real Israel Talk Radio. Welcome back to Real Israel Talk Radio. I'm Avi Ben Mordechai, and let's continue where I left off here just before the break. To me, this explains Yeshua's New Covenant teaching to his audience of the religious Hasidim, saying to them in Matthew 23, 31-36, Therefore, You are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. And I think it's the sons of the house of Tzedok. Yes, those prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of Gehinom, translated to English as hell. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Well, this makes a lot of sense, because it's not that Yeshua said, I had sent you prophets, wise men, and scribes, such as in the book of Jeremiah chapter 25. No, He says, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. That sounds like something that's ongoing, which completely goes against everything that the Hasidim did when they closed off the canon of Hebrew Scripture. In other words, there could be no more prophets, wise men, and scribes Only they were in place now to give us all the wisdom that we would need for everyday life. But Yeshua was saying, No, I'm sending you prophets, wise men, and scribes, because it was an ongoing process. So Yeshua goes on to say, Some of them you will kill and crucify, and of them... You will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all of the blood of Tzadok, or King Tzadok, shed on the earth, 
from the blood of Havel, that is, Abel, of Sadok, because he must have also believed in the Melchizedek mystery personality that appeared in Genesis 14. He must have. Why else would Yeshua say such a thing? Tying in the blood of Sadok to the blood of Zechariah, ben Berachiah, or son of the blessing, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. And I'm thinking the temple above and the altar below. Assuredly, I say to you, all these will come upon this generation. So recall from Hebrew scripture through the hereditary line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The woman or the wife of Yaakov, Jacob, was called Leah. Recall that Leah conceived and gave birth to a son, that was her third, and called him Levi, L-E-V-I, which you could say in English as Levi, but in Hebrew it would be Levi, which means attached or joined. Through Levi, several sons were born, one of whom was named Kohat. Kohat produced a son by the name of Amram. Later, Amram brought two sons into the world, Moses and Aaron. And we learn about this from 1 Chronicles 23, verse 13. Later, the Levitical family of Amram was split into two unique branches, each with its own special function. The one branch of Moses was set apart for service of the tabernacle of El Elyon. However, the branch of Aaron was set apart to serve as Kohanim or priests to El Elyon in the tabernacle. And we learn about this in 1 Chronicles 23, verse 13. And Aaron was set apart, he and his sons, forever, that he should sanctify the most holy things to burn incense before Jehovah, to minister to him, and to give the blessing in his name forever. That's interesting. To give the blessing? Well, this explains the background of what is called the Aaronic Blessing. We know about it from Bamidbar, or the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 through 27. Jehovah bless you and keep you. Jehovah make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Jehovah lift up his countenance, or his face, upon you, and give you shalom. Now that's really interesting. When the text says, they, 
from the house and sons of Tzedok shall put my name on the sons of Israel. And in doing that, I will bless them. Now, this is fascinating because it directly implies the eminence of inclusion into the family of the spiritual house of Sadok in the kingdom of heaven through Melchizedek, or if you will, the sons of the I am King Sadok from Genesis 14, verses 18 and 19. Yes, that king, I am King Sadok, Melchizedek, who was the king over the celestial city of Shalem, upholding the prophetic word of Jehovah to all Israel, as it was said to them through Moses and written down in Exodus 19, 5 through 6. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, which can be understood as safeguard my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. Here the Hebrew word special treasure is segula, which is the idea we get for this deep, beautiful, royal purple. For he goes on to say, all the earth is mine. And you, referring to the sons of Israel, shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the sons of Israel. But of course, we know how pride affects all of us. And yes, our carnal nature is due to our fallen human condition, the one that we all battle with from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in Hebrew, the etzhadat tov vera, of that tree you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of him, in dying you will die. Yes, it's written as a doublet. In dying, which I think is the physical death, you will die because that's a future death. As it says, you will surely die. So the second death is tied into this idea from Genesis 2.17. Because of our fallen nature, there is a war with our ongoing human condition. And I don't think I have to tell you anything more about that because we all battle with it, day in and day out. This will, of course, change with the coming last day great resurrection in Yeshua. And that last day great resurrection of Yeshua will be 
the seventh day or the Sabbath. He had to fulfill the role as a forerunner of that great resurrection when he was raised from two deaths, physical and spiritual, the first death and the second death. And that happened on the third day, based on the fact that he was the high priest, the Kohen Hagadol, called Melchizedek, the king Sadok, or put a different way, the I am King Sadok, at the head of the house of Sadok, which was the inherited office given to Aaron, the elder brother to Moses. And there he was to fulfill that physical line all the way down line. And then after Aaron, the high priesthood was passed down to his son, Eleazar. During the days of Eleazar, a cousin to Moses and Aaron, there was one by the name of Korach. He was not content with only his Levitical calling coming out of the line of Moses. No, he organized a rebellion against the religious system that Jehovah had set up for all Israel. And we learn about this in the narrative from the book of Bamidbar or Numbers 16, 8 through 10. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi, is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the work of the tabernacle of Jehovah and to stand before the congregation to serve them and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you. And then I really love this last statement. Moses asks the question of Korah, and are you seeking the priesthood also? Yeah, he wanted both sides. He was not content with just being of the sons coming down out of Moses' line. Oh, no. He also wanted all of that special calling given to Aaron and to his sons as well. So this clearly shows us what Jehovah wanted for the family of Levi or Levi and also for the family of Aaron. And so Jehovah pronounced his judgment against Korah in Numbers chapter 16, verse 26. So then we learn from the book of Bamidbar, or Numbers 16, 31 through 33, Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, referring to Moses, who was speaking them, the ground split apart under them, and 
the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah, and they perished from among the assembly. The divine rule was made clear. The family of the sons of Levi has two branches for the spiritual work of the tabernacle. Thus, it was fulfilled and written about in Numbers chapter 16, verse 40. No outsider who is not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before Jehovah, that he might not become like Korah and his friends, just as Jehovah had said to him through Moses. Now, notice this, it's very important. Who offered incense before Jehovah in the days just prior to the arrival of Yeshua? Well, we know it was Zechariah of the family of Aviah who had to come down from the line of Aaron and his sons. He had to, because in Luke 1, verses 5 and following, we see that he is offering incense in the temple that was standing in Jerusalem during the second temple period. Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist or John the Immerser. That means that Yochanan or John was a Zadokite as his father was. So it's all getting fulfilled through John, which is why he is fulfilling the role of the one who was crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of Yehovah, because the one who's coming is Hatzadok, the righteous one, Melchizedek. And this ruling was recognized and observed for many centuries, even as Jewish historian Josephus repeats the ruling for his readers. Go to the Jewish Antiquities of Josephus, Book 14, Chapter 2. Whence it is a custom of our country, writes Josephus, that no one should take the high priesthood of God, but he who is of the blood of Aaron, while everyone that is of another stock, though he were a king, can never obtain that priesthood. So we learn that after Aaron and his son Eleazar, the transferring of the right to the high priesthood goes to Pinchas. But remember, Aaron had four sons. Two of them died, that is, Nadav and Avihu. But that left the other two sons, Eleazar and Itamar. He was a son of Aaron, even as Eleazar was. What happened to the sons of Itamar? Here you have to look at the story from 1 Kings chapter 2 and verses 26 and 27. 
a man by the name of Abiathar, was deposed by King Solomon. King Solomon banished him to his home at Anatot. For what reason? Because he took part in the attempt to raise Adonia to the throne instead of David's son Solomon. The priesthood thus passed from the house of Itamar to the house of Eleazar. Again, take a look at 1 Kings 26 through 27. And to Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anatot, to your own fields, for you are deserving of death. But I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of Adonai Jehovah before my father David, and because you were afflicted every time my father David was afflicted. So Solomon removed Abiathar from being a Kohen or a priest to Jehovah, that he might fulfill the word of Jehovah which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. And if you look back, you'll remember in the text of 1 Samuel 2, verse 33, But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart, and the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be the sign to you that will come upon your two sons, Hophni and Pinchas. In one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before or in front of my anointed, my Messiah, forever. There you have it from Scripture. That's why Jewish historian Josephus writes the history in Jewish Antiquities, Book 14, Chapter 2. Again, it is a custom of our country that no one should take the high priesthood of God, but he who is of the blood of Aaron. And that has to go through Eleazar, not through Itamar. While everyone who is of another stock, though he were king, can never obtain that priesthood. Eleazar is the chosen line for the priesthood in all Israel because that was the son that was chosen to pass down that right to be a Kohen or a priest coming down out of the line of Aaron again to Eleazar. And finally, it ends up in the lap of one who was called Pinchas. The divine law of the priesthood fell into his authority, and he then passes down his authority to one who was called Sadok, who served as the Davidic high priest in the days of David, king of unified Israel. And, of course, this is confirmed 
from 2 Samuel 15, 24. There was Sadok also, and all the Levites with him, bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God. So we know that near the end of King David's life in the 10th century BCE, or before the Common Era, that Sadok, the priest of the Davidic dynasty, he was called upon to anoint Solomon, who then inherited the kingship of his father in 1 Kings 145. Sadok the priest and Natan or Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gihon, referring to Solomon. Now, when I come back on the next podcast, let's continue here where we left off at 1 Kings 145, because we want to talk about this one by the name of Sadok. He plays a very important role in the past, the present, and the future of all prophecy concerning priests and kings as they are referenced for us here in the story of Melchizedek, who shows himself as the I Am King Sadok in the heavens from Genesis 14, verse 18. And I think you need to understand this if you want to understand everything that Yeshua was saying and doing as it relates to the house of Sadok. We'll come back and talk more about this next time. I'm Avi ben Mordechai. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio. (laughs) 